your host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to welcome our listeners back for part two of Columbus Public Health with Mary Ann Stuckey. As she discussed the CARE Coalition and the type of services that are provided to the communities on behalf of the City of Columbus, they help individuals that have been in traumatic situations that have impacted not only the individual, their family, and the community as a whole. In helping them to navigate with the aftermath of that traumatic situation, such as dealing with grief, depression, anxiety, and even thoughts of suicide. So, sit back and relax and enjoy part two with Mary Ann Stuckey. Just this year alone, what population in the community have been affected most? Like which age bracket, which like social demographic or what what demographic of individuals? I'm sure there's been like a lot of people across the board have been affected by who are typically the, like the most cases that you guys see and the people that you guys interact the most. Um, most of our, our families are African-American families. I believe most victims, if we're talking about homicides, uh, most victims are younger. Um, I, I think there's a pretty good stat, and I think it comes from the CDC, if I'm not mistaken, that speaks to, um, when we talk about homicide, most of the victims are young young black males. Between I, I think it's between like 15 to 20, or it could be a little bit bigger than that, but it's, you know, teenage uh, male, black males versus um, the leading cause of death for white males of similar ages is suicide. Um, but for us, I can say when we're talking about families, we're, we're mostly talking about black families is the majority. I hope does that help to answer that? No, it, it does. It does. And then my, my next question is pretty much just for anyone listening and our listeners, um, if they are struggling with mental health um, or just they just need like resources what would be the best method to contact you guys and and go about like reaching out to your office if they're mm-hmm. in need of help yeah absolutely so i would say the best mechanism to reach us is to call we have a care line and so that number is 614-645-6248 and so that's generally the best way we have we, we're constantly checking that phone line and um, we'll be able to get back with someone within a day at most to help them get connected or just to have someone to to talk to. So that would be the best way. We also have a website. Our website is um, uh, columbus.gov slash care. Um, and we have a Facebook page at Care and Resilience, too. But I would say if anyone's in need of services, to call that number. And one more time, it's 645-6248. Thank you so much for that information for us. What are some of the signs that people can look for in regards to a loved one that we might mistake as just them acting certain ways, but yet Mm -hmm. things that we need to, you know, kind of look for? That's an excellent question. Um, I kind of look at it in a couple different buckets, if you will, when we think about mental mental health and mental illness. Um, Now, my work definitely centers a lot around trauma, and with trauma, the interesting thing is that a lot of the behaviors of trauma can show up and make us think different things. So it's really important that you're really aware of what's going on with the person. Like, for example, we have this thing with um, our trauma group, and we have a training group, and we say it's not what's wrong with someone, it's what happened to them, right? That's kind of like the age-old trauma-informed question. 
So it's not what's wrong with someone, it's what happened to them. And then for us, we take it a step further. And that's what do they do to survive? So when we're talking about trauma, survival behaviors are what trauma is all about. When someone's traumatized, they are going to present with their way of survival. And so again, when we think about um, what trauma is, it's the inability to cope with it, with our surroundings. Our brain goes into this survival mechanism. And that can look, uh, it can look like anger, it can look like um, defiance, it can look like um, uh, ADHD. It's oftentimes a lot of trauma symptoms are, are mistaken for ADHD in children. Um, it can look like substance abuse in adults. It can look like Again, being quick to anger, it could be a lot of different things. And so we really have to, and this is not to say that everyone needs to be like assessing people, but we really have to ask ourselves um, maybe like what's going on with this person and why uh, might they be acting or behaving in, in a certain way. And so that's kind of the first, thing. so again, my lens is around a lot of trauma. So that's one of the things that I look for a lot is just really kind of being curious. So. One thing we all have to do is really get curious. It's important that we're asking asking questions to to, the, to our loved ones and just kind of understanding their their experience and their perspective uh, before we jump to any conclusions. So when I think about uh, trauma, that's really the the major points there. But when we start to talk about depression, some of the major things that you want to look for in a loved one is. Um, lack of interest in things that might have been something that they were interested in before, uh, a sense of hopelessness. And so this is something that's always touched my heart as a clinician, as a therapist, is um, hopelessness is one of the predominant signs of suicidality. And so when you have someone who's communicating a lack of hope for the future or that things, you know, there's this, this feeling that things will never get better, that's something to really watch out for in terms of uh, making sure that they're okay and getting them some support if needed. Um, I would also say with depression, a lot of um, sometimes there's a lot of sleeping or um, being really lethargic. So physically, it has a heaviness. And so, you know, depression has different levels and um, sometimes people are in a, what we call a, a really deep major depression. And then sometimes people have kind of a, the type of depression that's always kind of present, but they can be functional. And so um, I think recognizing, helping a loved one understand their depression is important. And also destigmatizing depression as well is important too. So just letting them know that it's, it's, it's okay to need to talk to someone and to get help and that they don't have to go about it alone. And honestly, I would say that about any mental health condition is just knowing that it's, it's something that, you know, millions of people face and having the ability to get help is really vital. Um, one other category I think that it's important to cover, especially as we think about the holidays, I think with, with the holidays specifically, depression is important um, given the pandemic and given, again, sometimes the changing dynamics of a household, if, if there's a job loss or um, not being able to see a loved one, that's, that can be really hard in terms of depression. But I think another thing to think about is anxiety and just being really worried, just being worried about what the future holds, uh, worried about uh, loved ones who might be older or who might be more susceptible to illness, worried about, um, you know, again, finances. Anxiety can be a really difficult thing, um, and it can be, again, pretty intense as well when you're 
just constantly uh, worried about what's going to happen or it's, it's something that's always on your mind. And it can, it can lead people to panic attacks and just really kind of reeling and, and not feeling like they have a lot of control over their lives or, or what's happening. And with the pandemic, too, there's been some interesting articles that I've taken a look at around people's hair falling out, broken teeth even. It could be there's a lot of grinding, sort of pressure. Um, so there's a lot of different symptoms that are, are definitely um, coming out with this pandemic. But, I, but again, I would say just really looking at, I know there's more mental, mental health conditions, but um, some of the, the primary ones I think that it's important to look at, um, again, are trauma, mental or depression, and then anxiety, especially as it relates to all that's happening. Even thinking about from a racism standpoint, too, I think that's a, a whole other thing is just how, how folks are dealing with racialized trauma and what that looks like and how that contributes to the fear of, you know, going out in public and not necessarily knowing how people are going to interact with you. So there's just a lot of things that can really um, trigger a lot of different reactions in folks. So those are some of the main things I would um, always watch out for. I mean, you just hit everything on the head. I'm sitting back listening to you, and I'm thinking about how many of those things have applied to me and in some situations still applies to me because um, trauma, when you have trauma in your life, that trauma can turn into all the other triggers that you just talked about mm-hmm. as far as mental health, depression, anxiety, suicide. So um, mm-hmm. it's uh, kind of crazy. I don't know if I share it with mm-hmm. you. I have lost my daughter. And um, I went through, I don't know, my trauma might have lasted about two years. And then when I thought about coming out of it, um, my thoughts were suicidal. And it was um, by the grace of God that I did not do what I was getting ready to do one day. And um, basically, I decided that I wanted to live for my husband and son. And like you say, it's it's a heaviness that you have to fight Mm -hmm. through. I mean, it's a fight, you know, to not to not do that. And suicide is a very, very dark place. And it is hard for Mm -hmm. people to come out. And it takes family and friends to not let you go. And so, Ernie, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say thank you. I call Ernie in a minute, him and his wife, and they make me laugh. I call him and his wife in the back. I'm saying, what's up, bro? And I would just call, I mean, I would not be feeling well. You know, just everything and all those feelings would just grip me. And I would just call Ernie and say, hey, what you doing? I'm just calling to talk. Then Jay to be his wife be in the background. We just be talking junk. And then I start laughing. (laughs) And then I kind of help pull me out. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, somebody can send you a a tweet. Somebody can send you a text. Somebody could do something. And it pulls you out, you know, just that quick. And if people continue to talk to you and listen to you versus just letting you go, oh, she's going through something. I'm not going to say anything to her. I'm not going to. You know, well, she's not talking to me anymore, so I'm not going to talk to her anymore. You know, people still need that contact or for people to reach out to them, uh, not knowing what type of thread you possibly hold by just that one simple gesture Mm -hmm. that you can Mm -hmm. stop somebody from getting ready to do something serious. And for those listeners out there, when you, one of the things that I learned regarding suicide, 
you have to think about all the other people that you're going to impact when you do decide to take that type of action. Your thought is just on what you want to stop, just what you want to stop, and nothing else matters around you. And it was only when, like I said, through the grace of God that I stopped, and then I was able to see things around me, and that is what decided for me to live, you know. So I'm hoping that everybody have a, you know, I still get triggers, you know, I'm I'm not going to do anything, but when certain, you know, holidays <laughs> or something like that, you know, come around, yeah, it still bothers me or certain little things or certain smells, but um, I have a strong support system and I've, I've crawled my way out of that little hole. But I, I fully understand how people mm-hmm. can say when trauma happens, well, she's never been right. Remember back in the day they would say, oh, she never been right since such and such happened to this. Or mm-hmm. she's ended up in the mental institution ever since, you know, something happened. So I understand both ways, you know, of totally losing it and people end up in a mental institution or just surviving, just being there and not really functioning. So mm-hmm. I hope that everybody uh, does seek help. Could you give us your information again? So like you have a suicide hotline or if people feel they need to talk, you got a, a, the number again that you can provide to people? Yeah, definitely. So the care line is um, 645-6248, and we work really closely with lots of different partners in the community. So there is uh, a suicide line. Um, there's one for children and adults, which is outside of um, CPH. Um, but we do have partners that we can refer to as well. Um, Netcare is, is definitely one that's 24 hours. I think they're 224-CARE, uh, and I'm not sure what, the, what exactly the numbers are there, but I, I know that they're available, and um, I'd be happy to share the those two hotline numbers. I'll have to get back with you to make sure I, I share the right number with you, though. I think as long as you said the company's name, that's fine. And I... I since I do have another person who has been uh, a constant here over the last few years in my life, I, I do want to say thank you to Steffi and Delano. Um, they're like my second son and daughter. Um, they have helped me and my husband because trauma don't stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that depression right. don't stop. That anxiety doesn't stop. But you have individuals in your life that can help you to deal with those things you know, when those times come. And like they say, families sometimes show up at the least expected time that you expect them to. So don't ever feel that mm-hmm. reaching out to somebody and say, oh, I didn't mean to call you. Take it as that, you know, you could have prevented somebody from swallow a whole bunch of pills mm-hmm. with that mistaken call. If you guys excuse me for a minute, we need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell on 94.1 FM, WGRN, and WGRN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Ernie, do you have any last-minute questions for us? Yeah, I do have one last last question for Marianne. I'm just... It's just wondering, I know, you know, the the job you guys do, I'm not sure if I could do it. I'm just wondering how do you, like, deal with um, a, a lot of the, 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 the sadness around it? 
Um, mm-hmm. How do you come to how, – how do you, like, detach from it? I, I know I, I'm trying to understand how I, – I don't know if I would be able to deal with that, like, on an everyday basis, and I'm just wondering how do you uh, stay normal yourself after, you know, uh, interacting with, you know, these families going through so much? That is amazing. That's an amazing question. Um, Thank you for that. And I've asked myself that quite a few times. And to be quite honest with you, what I often think about is something that happened within my my own family. Um, I'll tell you about that just really briefly. Uh, And I think that's where I draw my strength from to be able to be in this role. And so when before before I was even born, my uh, my uncle was actually shot and killed right in front of my grandmother's oh, home. Wow. Um, oh wow! Yeah, wow. in Cincinnati. Some told the bullet went wow. through his hand. He tried to block his face, and so the bullet went through his hand and it went through his head. And so, um, what I what I am told is that my grandmother learned about his death and fainted at the hospital and. Um, from there, you know, she was able to get what she needed at, at that moment, but then was, you know, again, thrown into the funeral planning process and, um, you know, just did what she had to do. And I, I think about that a lot in, you know, in the in the black community where we just, you know, we're this, this, this strength, right, this, this thought of strength. And I, I think that can be a double-edged sword sometimes. But what I, what I could say is that, she never. She went on after he was buried. She she never spoke about him. Like in my adult life, and my grandmother passed away about a couple of years ago. But she never talked about him at all. And so I asked. I wow. asked myself, what 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 would she have needed to be able to just to to open up about that situation and to not have to, you know, be strong that whole time. And so, what drives me and propels me to do the work that I do is. I just, I just want people, just people in general, to be able to know, again, that, you know, that there's people that care about your experience and that you don't have to, you don't have to just power through things all the time. Because at, at the end of the day, powering through does have implications and it does have challenges. And I think one of the things I also think about a lot is the only way to get through grief is, is to grieve and to be able to mm. let it take a, a shape and way that it's going to take, and it's not going to be linear, right? It's going to be up and down, and I think one of the things that Ms. Felice had said is that it's it just really, it's just hard and difficult, and people don't always understand, and I just think it's important that we each have our own, our moments of being able to, to break down or to, to do whatever we need to do to be able to feel what we feel, and so I, I allow that for myself. But I also, I I feel passionate about allowing people to have that in their lives, too, because I know that that creates mental health. I I think that that's the foundation is to be able to really experience and feel our emotions. But also, I think about the power of relationships and how, you know, that's the number one resilience factor is having people that you can talk to and people that are there for you and that you know will not judge you and you feel safe with. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm glad you got into mm-hmm. this work. It seems like you were, you know, God blessed you and uh, gave you the strength to deal with it. Like Ernie said, not every. So I just wanted just to take the time just to take, uh, thank Marion for her time today to talk about what I believe is stigma, especially in the black community, which is just mental health. I think I hope that this conversation, this show 
reaches and touches at least one person and can help them feel like we provided and she provided just so much useful information that can generally just um, help someone's life, especially going through the year that we've gone through with a lot of people, we've never gone through this before. And it has definitely, I feel like, impacted everyone's mental health from some way, somehow. So, Felice, I want to tell you that I love you and I'm so proud of you for the courage of just sharing your testimony. I'm thankful and we're blessed to still have you here and for your perseverance to push through your dark times. I'm going to always continue to be here for you, your family. And uh, nothing, I just think this has been a great show just to be able just to raise, continue to raise awareness about a, a topic that is not one easy to talk about and just to, um, again, I think there's just such a big stigma on it. So, Marion, again, thank you for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you. And uh, uh, thank you for all the hard work that you do for just the community and for so many people's lives. Absolutely. And if I can just thank you all, too, I, I think this is such a, a really important topic area. And I thank you all for your vulnerability and, and what you shared, too. Uh, I think it takes us learning from other people and hearing other stories for people to know that they're not alone. I just want to say, I, I love how you talked about how it, how, how hard it is, like the, the, the darkness and how hard it is. Once you mm-hmm. determine that you want to make it, it's a hell of a hoe, but yet, it can be done, as what you said, with the proper help. And I'm glad that you provided our listeners with a phone number that, that they can reach out to uh, if they find themselves or have any questions or if they have a family member, uh, if they see that they're just um, showing some of the signs, you know, that you mentioned for depression, anxiety, um, and especially with the COVID and this thing seem helpless. Don't be scared mm-hmm. to pick up the phone and reach out, you know, to a loved one or, you know, call one of the numbers that she provided today. So we'll also put some phone numbers up on our web on our website and on our Twitter account, and we'll put uh, your information up there, too. Sounds great. Thank you. I didn't mean to go there today, but I knew that from our conversation that I, you know, felt that. And it's only been over the past two years that I've been sharing that part of myself with uh, people because I guess God has a way of wanting you to do things. I thank our listeners for listening, and Marianne, thank you for coming on the show, and I'm sure that I will be talking to you again soon. So I I really appreciate the opportunity to be on tonight. Once again, thank you, Marianne, for being our guest. I'd like to ask our listeners to stay tuned for Inside the Cell with Mr. Ernest Kelly. With that being said, this is Felice, your host. Peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Faith Thomas FDN.